welcome to the Over the Barricade Podcast. I am your host, Brian Dunn, and as always, by my tag team partner, the deadliest catch, Lee Brando, who last week I said was the namesake of this show, but there's nothing in, that's the same about those other than the. Yeah, no, no similarities. I was going to try to be a showman. I was going to try to say, you know, come here, listen up, take a seat, relax, open a cold beverage. And listen to what we're about to say, and then Cr- you crack had... a cold one with the boys. Yeah, you know. I yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure I follow, but we're I guess we'll just. I think it's along, nice right? to welcome people to a podcast, like you know, welcome listeners, open your ears, even though you cannot physically close your ears, so that we can deliver this. Someone out there might be able to physically close their ears. You don't know. What? Well, I... What if somebody's a mutant? I don't want to rule anything out. I've never met a mutant that I, I know of. I, we we are an inclusive, welcoming show to all. That's true. Even if they can close their ears. That's absolutely true. Uh, if you were a mutant and I knew and you didn't know, would you want me to tell you? I, I guess that would depend on how I'm mutated. <laughs> yeah, if it's not a cool one, don't tell me. I mean, yeah, probably. All right, well, let's talk about SmackDown then. <laughs> you want to start with talking about SmackDown? Uh, wow, so much happened this week. It was pretty packed. Um, I mean, where did we leave off? We left off talking about the uh, G1 special that was upcoming, and uh, now we've seen it. Well, well we've I've seen, seen the first night. We've seen night one. Yeah, I don't. I. I feel like it's doubtful any of our listeners, unless they get New Japan World, uh, have seen Night 2. They probably haven't seen Night 1 either, so we're going to tell you everything that happens, but you should definitely still go go and watch it. We're going to tell them in graphic sexual detail. Wow. Yeah. It's not that kind of thing. Um, Isn't that what AXA stands for? No, it's not like TNA wrestling oh uh but let's uh i want to tell anyone that happens to be listening how they can watch this because this is how i did it and if you don't get access tv which is a lot of people um you can sign up for sling tv they're not a sponsor but they do offer a week free trial and they do air a good bit of New Japan on Access TV. So if you sign up for Sling TV, you have it for a week, you get Access TV, and you can watch what they would show. And then just cancel right before you have to pay. That's what I did, and uh, I enjoyed it. That's how you know they're not a sponsor, because they're <laughs> not paying us, and we're sure not paying them. Nope, no money has exchanged hands here. All I did was piggyback off their service to watch new japan night one live in long beach commentated by good old jr and josh barnett which uh, the weak thing i think in this particular instance works very well in your favor because night one was saturday and night two took place on sunday but is airing this coming friday which would uh, if you do happen to listen to this the night we release it, which more power to you, because yeah. uh, this goes up late every Thursday. Uh, Somebody's waiting up 
they gotta go to work or school in the morning but they're they're waiting up for us it's josh isn't it it's josh and Hi, josh. hopefully you fall asleep to the sounds of our voice um but yeah i mean so hopefully that's what... he falls asleep after <laughs> the sounds of our voice on the second replay because yes. he's he's on the edge of his seat wait a second i want to go back make sure i didn't miss anything and then after this after the first time he feels more comfortable falling asleep to our melodic tone of voice that's true um so yeah like what i'm doing and what you should do is get it right before night one live and keep that free week until you finish watching night two and then immediately cancel or don't cancel and watch tv that way whatever you prefer i'm not going to tell you what to do well i mean they really can't get it now where they could watch night one live well they will be be showing night one immediately before they show night two uh tomorrow night or this night friday friday july the 7th 7 7 17 not as special as 777 was no um in in yesteryear 10 years ago um what i don't i see i didn't know about the fact they were going to air it beforehand because I get Access TV in, in my TV package because yeah. I don't do Sling TV. I, I go through Verizon. I, I well, get we, TV. In the city, we can't get Verizon. I mean, I'm just in the suburbs. Well, you're in the suburbs of a different city than what I, te- I, I mean, in. to be fair, I'm kind of in the suburbs of two cities. You're you're definitely more. Th- people have no idea what semantics we're arguing right now. <laughs> Just two unnamed could be Gotham and Metropolis for all they care. No, because as Batman v Superman pointed out, Gotham and Metropolis are literally one bay away from each other. That's true. That's you could literally be talking Annapolis versus Ken Island. How do you feel? If you want to get hyper specific in your Maryland geography. If we want to take a break from wrestling for ten seconds, how'd you feel about that change in the geography of the DC universe, which hadn't really been established? This is the content people come here for. That's Actually, true. the funny thing is the same guy we already mentioned, Josh. Hi Josh, would probably also really enjoy probably this conversation. Screaming at his phone right now. It was awful. And Andrea. Um <laughs> hi Andrea. So uh, to answer your question, so we can get back to the point of this podcast, uh, which is professional wrestling, which Batman v Superman was way worse in kayfabe than most professional wrestling is. And to be fair, pro wrestling is kind of like a comic book come to life. So in in certain ways, yes. Uh, anyways, to answer your question, it was really stupid because the best way to think of Gotham and Metropolis is New York and Chicago. Yeah. So it makes sense that they would have some distance. Otherwise, if something's going on in Gotham, why isn't Superman flying over to deal with it all the time? Yeah, well, that's... What is the point of Batman at that point? Yeah, it's a little different if Superman can literally see what's happening. (laughs) I mean, and the funny thing is, too, is in the lead-up to Batman v Superman, one of their big sponsors was Turkish Airlines which I found to be wildly amusing once I figured out how close they were to each other. Yeah. Gotham and Metropolis. You, It makes zero sense to take Turkish Airlines from Gotham to Metropolis. You would not even get close to height before you landed. Well, it's a, it's a more of a scenic thing, and they go around the other way. Oh, you mean, so So you want to be on Turkish Airlines so bad that you're willing to, instead of instead of being on a ferry for like, 
five two minutes. miles maybe you would go around the world the yeah. other the entirety of the planet when you think about it that's a better ad <laughs> i mean that a is better a better ad, ad for, i, for I suppose show. anyway back to wrestling what, what did we just do let's let's talk about wrestling's superman and by that i mean john cena the american the all-american american oh wait that's somebody else yes yeah, somebody else uh the all-american made guy who he shows hosts he, he american shows, grit who shows american grit who shows american grit and shows up on america's 241st birthday right yep okay <laughs> it could have only been more american if he had showed up and they were in flagstaff arizona that's whoa! But they were in Phoenix. They were in Phoenix. Look at that! Some Arizona a, geography a for city you too. which didn't even exist when America was born. But okay. I mean, to be fair, most cities, like except on the East Coast, and even then, didn't <laughs> exist when America was born. But what what I'm trying to say is, how do you feel about John Cena's uh, momentous return to SmackDown after six months, four months? How long was he out? Um. Since WrestleMania, we haven't seen him since WrestleMania. When he proposed to Nikki Bella, three months or so. Uh, but it we, felt we will, we like will a go long back time. to Japan, by the way, before right. we get too far away. To answer your question, he's he's not a part timer; he's an all timer, and he's a free agent. And he's a free agent. If you didn't know, now you know. <laughs> um, and he's going to have a flag match. With Rusev, who Battle should have come back months ago. Who who they took Lana away from for some reason. Who it seemed like they were going to try and repackage him slightly or at least make him seem like meaningful again. And then what do they do? He's the exact same character minus Lana. I don't care if he's the Bulgarian brute. That part's fine with me. He's a really good wrestler who's now going to be buried by John Cena. Which it's like, John Cena did so well to not bury guys who needed the time yeah and now he's gonna bury him well i can see i can see a few things but there's so much you have to get over first before you can even allow yourself to enjoy the possibilities of okay cena's gonna be this like all-american bearing the flag and he's going to go against you know, uh, Jinder Mahal, whose whole gimmick has pretty much been America hates me for the way I look. Is that the SummerSlam match? I I don't know. I legitimately don't know, and here's why. You... Because is John Cena gonna have a SmackDown and a Raw storyline simultaneously, or is he gonna stay on one show for a program and then jump to the other show for a program? Because if he's going to be a quote-unquote free agent but he spends the next eight months just on SmackDown. People are going to forget, and it already doesn't make sense, but it's going to make even less sense for him to show up on Raw about the time they need to build to his WrestleMania match with, I'm assuming, Roman Reigns. So this whole thing doesn't make sense. And then the third thing is how bad of a GM is Daniel Bryan? How bad of a commissioner is Shane McMahon? To let the face of the WWE for the last decade... Decade and a half. And a half go to the rival show. I mean, come on. That would be like if in 92, 
Hogan came out and said, by the way, I'm a free agent. I'm going to be on Raw and Nitro that's coming up, which didn't even exist. Yet. But you get the analogy. Which was like four years later. I think Nitro came out in 95. 95, so three Sep- years later. September of 95. So, I mean, there you go. But he was he, he also he, was away he was, from WWE. He was playing yeah. as Lex Luger. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but, or, you know, Stone Cold in 98. <laughs> you know, by the way, I'm a free agent now. I'm, I know it's not the same thing because it's different companies back Are, then. But it's it, when they're trying to portray a rivalry be- between the brands, it's it's a pretty big thing. This will lead to a match at bragging rights where John Cena has to pick a side. No, uh, and they could have explained it away. They could have ex- they could they could have said, "Listen, Stephanie and Shane, or Kurt Angle and Daniel Bryan, the four of them, they sat down and they said, okay, Money in the Bank, which is one of the biggest events of the year, one of the most important prizes of the year, goes to solely SmackDown, but because of that, Raw gets fifty percent rights to John Cena." Like, they could have... That's dangerous, because you're possibly cheapening Money in the Bank by that exclamation. I mean, not when you consider the fact that Cena is the biggest homegrown star that they have. I mean, he he's not Brock, would but you, Brock would, really was more UFC. Would you say that he's the biggest homegrown talent they ever have? Um, now, hold on. I that's would hard like, to say. I would like to point out, Hulk Hogan made his name prior to coming to WWE. Now, WWE made it a thousand times bigger. Right. But people who watched wrestling knew who Hulk Hogan was prior to his WWE run. Right. Stone Cold Steve Austin had a very notable run in WCW as Stunning Steve Austin. And more arguably, ECW is where that character really started to develop the stone cold character correct wwe just gave him the platform to go higher right john cena started with the wwe and will end with the wwe no other time in any other promotion that is not wwe directly owned or affiliated right so that covers ovw which was strictly developmental territory at that point so well i mean Cena did work a few indies before then, but certainly not. Nobody would have known who right. he was. Cert- like I get what you're saying. The majority, the majority of his professional career was under the umbrella of the WWE, and still is. So, is he the biggest person that WWE has had their fingerprints on from essentially the beginning? Um, would you consider The Rock? a WWE homegrown talent because he really is in in a, in a very similar fashion That's to true. Cena. But where do you cut that off? Do you cut that off in 04 where Rock leaves and then goes on to Hollywood because that wasn't really WWE's doing to to catapult the Rock to where he is now. They certainly gave him a nice starting step, but Correct. If you compare Rock in 04 to Cena in 17, Who's the bigger wrestling star? I still say The Rock, but he also didn't have 16 title reigns and, you know, fill-in-the-blank main events, WrestleMania main events. It, he, he had huge matches, don't get me wrong, but Cena has done it for longer. In in the For the argument's sake, I would say Cena is as big as he is because of wrestling. 
strictly because of wrestling. Yeah, and really because of the WWE booking. Mar- and the marketing machine. Yeah. So, The Rock had that to an extent, but he did not... He did not... Basically, his popularity was huge in wrestling and even in the mainstream, but that's also when the business was more in the mainstream at the time. That's true. But you can't cannot completely attribute his current star to the WWE. No, not his current level of star. But if you go if you go back to 04, I think that's a good argument. Because they had a very similar track up until that point. It's almost like as far as the hypothetical would point. be where would the rock be um if he didn't take that leap out into hollywood or if that he did one movie and nothing ever came of it so the rock so the rock if i remember correctly debuted in 1996 is that right the 1996 survivor series i believe that's right so you figure he goes 8 years right he goes to 2004 so we'll round it to 8 cuz it was a little less yeah. than that but we'll round it to 8 Right? Seen as at year 15. The Rock would have to have done almost twice as much time from his debut to match where Cena is as far as time. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Time accrued, as it were. So, mileage. Yeah. And it's so, that would be super interesting because that would put The Rock around 2012. And how much did the business change between 2004 and 2012, specifically how WWE was presenting their product? Do you think The Rock would have fit in with the guys that Cena fit in with? Would it have... Well, then the question then becomes, would The Rock... So so the way you have to look at that, too, is how much did the business change because Rock wasn't there anymore? That might have been it. So you look at what happened around 2004 2005 so you look at the 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 switch kind of happened almost at the same time cena was world champion in 2005 right so for the I first think, time so I think the, the transition last, I the think, rock's last wrestlemania and cena's first wrestlemania unless he wrestled at 19 but i'm not i can't cena remember did not wrestle yeah. So at 20... He wrestled he, his first WrestleMania match against the Big Show for the, for the US, US Championship at and, 20. And that was Rock's last WrestleMania until he came back. I don't it, think he wrestled... Did, did yeah, Rock wrestle It was wrestle him and Foley versus, I believe, Evolution in a tag match. Oh, yes, you're correct. Yes, that is that is right. So that is kind of the, the pivot point. Uh, you know, the paradigm shift, if you will. Um, Would... Now, the question there is, would The Rock have gone into more of an Orton-type role where still wins championships, still draws, still is a big name, reliable, but isn't the main guy? You know, the thing about that is The Rock is so much more charismatic that I don't know if you could not have him be the top guy. Would we have had all of those Randy Orton-John Cena matches, it would have been John Cena and The Rock for most of those instead? That's probably what would have happened, and and I'm sure that Rock-Cena would have happened, you know, probably within, you know, maybe 06, 07, somewhere in that time period. Um, 
it's, it'd be really, really interesting to, to look in a crystal ball and see what would have happened if The Rock didn't leave. Um, gosh, that's such a <laughs> that's such a mind twisting thing to think because, like, in a, in a way, he could have totally erased John Cena because John Cena wouldn't have mattered really if you had The Rock for all those years. Remember, the brand split was in full effect at that point. Cena it's probably true. doesn't come over from SmackDown for at least another couple of years. So he probably stays on, and then you don't get Edge. You know, yeah, I, I think if anything, I don't think The Rock would have wiped out John Cena. I think he would have wiped out Edge, maybe Batista, maybe Orton, maybe Orton. I think Orton. I feel like Orton and The Rock, in a lot of ways, fill kind of the same space. They're very different characters. They're very different performers. But you look at the way that Orton is booked and has been booked. Really, he's been booked as the guy who carries the biggest feud on whatever show he's on. The Rock is very similar in that respect. We saw that a ton over the course of time. The Rock's feud was the feud that mattered most, in a lot of instances. I feel like The Rock would probably have been Randy Orton five years earlier. Maybe maybe, now, uh, now, maybe he would have been one of the legends that Randy Orton killed. That would have been a heck of a rivalry, yeah. though. Maybe we would have gotten you know rock v undertaker at wrestlemania instead of it's weird we never got that we never got a rock undertaker wrestlemania match obviously they wrestled in other matches yeah but we never well at the time it wasn't it would have made sense it wasn't the big thing no those matches got booked no brock lesnar was the big thing the 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 next next big big thing. thing now he's just the big thing or just the beast he's the mayor of suplex city that's the conqueror the, the reigner of super defending the the warlord of suplex city Ooh. Ooh. so i think based on our conversation but that uh, is a fun thought experiment because it's not like stone cold who physically had to stop yeah i feel and you also feel like stone cold really did hit the end of what he would was right. able to do not just physically but in storyline and as far as what he could do as a character you feel like the ending for Stone Cold felt right. The ending for The Rock felt like there were a lot of years left in the tank, which there were. Yeah. But that's not what The Rock wanted to do. He wanted to try a new challenge. That's fine. I mean, you could argue that The Rock... Perhaps perhaps based on our conversation, we have answered the question we, we originally asked. Who was, the bigger, who was the bigger homegrown talent? It probably was The Rock, but I'd say that's a good argument to have between Rock and Cena because... Yeah. They are very similar in their trajectories, which is why that once-in-a-lifetime match made so much sense. Yeah, I mean, the, to wrap it up, all I'll say is, like, um, you could you could argue in 04 The Rock had done everything in the wrestling business. He had had the biggest feuds that drew the biggest amount of money and so on and so on. So what was he going to naturally, organically fall into? I don't know what would have been next for him, and I don't know how that would have affected all the young guys that popped up right in that 05, 06. Or maybe not necessarily young guys. Like Edge had been around for a while, but then he catapulted to main event level in that time. So who would have been stifled and and kept down? And all those changes, what what would have happened um if the rock stayed now 
the the interesting point is what do you think McMahon offered him to stay that's a conversation that I would I would watch because you have Austin gone okay that's your biggest draw you know ever ever who's your number two the rock and he's thinking about splitting like I feel like they tried <laughs> to get him to stay they they produced a movie for him yeah because I know you know that at that time they were probably th- they I'm sure they thought we can't really do anything wrong so why not give it a shot and they probably had that on their mind anyways but you have to think like the rock has probably gone to them and it, or you know is putting his feelers out to see what he can do and they thought let's give him an acting role maybe that'll entice him and it may have backfired but I don't know I don't know the story behind that I would love to hear this I would I would that. love for something to be produced um, to kind of dive into to all that working and how the rock got set up because I mean he didn't the rock didn't just not have a plan clearly he had a team behind him and the team grows to this day and you know he's they the need highest to, paid they need act. to give him better advice as of late <laughs> with respect to what <laughs> to respect to Baywatch and the Jumanji video game well, hey, Jumanji could be good. You don't know that. Uh, the I, movie itself could be good. The fact it's got Jumanji on on it is going to kill it. That's true. Because it's nothing like Jumanji except they utter the same slogan that was in the original movie. All you're going to do is draw comparisons, and that's the worst thing they could have done for a movie that is nothing like the original. Right. Uh, you could and have had a, really, a movie that's so loved. You could have had a really cool, like, retro-style uh like retro video game you know kind of idea they go you could have called it like pitfall and it would have been perfect you could have called it zathora i don't know if you could have called it zathora i almost said thesaurus thesaurus you could have called it thesaurus it is interesting because um i haven't seen baywatch but from what i heard it's not really like baywatch it's more like you know like a modern comedy 21 jump street movie which wasn't really like 21 jump street you know and so they're they're just throwing these brand names like baywatch that might get people in the theater or jumanji that might get people in the theater but they're making essentially entirely different movies absolutely um so it's interesting to to see that and to see like well is that clearly it's a marketing thing but at this point, I think The Rock is big enough that you could just call the movie Pitfall or whatever, and and people would g- go and watch it because it has The Rock, Kevin Hart, you know, Jack Black, um, you know, all those people. So I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think he's doing well, and to his own admission, he knew that Baywatch wasn't gonna make more than fast and furious or you know his his big blockbuster roles i mean he he has had some movies that just were there you know like san andreas it was it was just there it was just a leading role and well san andreas did really well though that's the difference san andreas did really well for the space for the movie it was and the space it was in the difference is is that all these other movies have wildly underperformed with the exception of the franchises he's jumped in on a la Fast and Furious. Well, which you know. he was a real shot in the arm for that franchise, and they needed it, but he hasn't been able to translate that across the board. 
What do you think, you know, take out the big franchise movies, what do you think has been his most successful other movie? Financially, it's been San Andreas. Really? That was that successful? It, um, I would have to go back and look at the dollar amounts, but it did very I mean, well for his career. I'm not re- doubting it. I'm San just Andreas saying that's surprising. is the reason he's doing, the reason he was able to get Baywatch and Jumanji greenlit. Hmm. Interesting. It certainly wasn't Hercules. Yeah, that one was weird and uh, short. Like, felt like it was like an hour long. Which is weird for a modern day movie, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, aren't we a professional wrestling podcast? The Rock wrestles from time to time. <laughs> he wrestled at one point. Anyway, let's let's go back. Um, we could talk <laughs> about The Rock and how interesting that story is all day long, because it really is. Real quick, I want to throw one more thing before uh, we leave The Rock. All right. We talked about whose career would get would have been wiped away, essentially, at least a main event run. And I and I said that Edge probably would have been the one who lost the most. I would say that heel Edge, even though it was like two years later, slid right into that heel rock spot. He went against the biggest babyface in the company. He had a... I wouldn't say necessarily similar as far as their styles go. Two very different characters. Right. But kind of that same kind of spot. He but is in that push marquee. The envelope. Kind of a push the envelope. Says kind of whatever he wants. Um, given a little bit of freedom. And against the biggest face. Big draw. People want to see it. I, I think 2006 Edge slides right into that 2003 heel rock spot. I mean, I would still have paid to see Rock versus Edge once Edge got to the main event level. Well, I don't disagree, but I don't think it would have ever happened. No. I think if Rock doesn't go do movies, I think Edge is probably the immediate one who never gets really a push. Or he has to go to SmackDown to get it. And we might have seen Batista and Edge much earlier. But I think if The Rock is still around, Cena doesn't leave SmackDown probably till 2008, 2009. We could talk about it. <laughs> I was about to say, if The Rock doesn't leave, does Kurt Angle still go to TNA, or is it more advantageous for him to stay? I think Kurt Angle goes to TNA anyways, because that actually had a lot to do with his actual health problems and his addiction issues. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of interesting subplots. We should do a what-if segment one time. Like, dream match. Like, what if The Rock versus Eddie Guerrero or something even though that's such a mismatch in terms of wrestling ability. Look, I well, love The looking, Rock. But. Well, because that's the same thing. Well, in a very different sense, that's the same thing people said about the possible Lesnar-Rock WrestleMania match. You have... Now, Eddie was a great performer, whereas The Rock was a, a different version. A uh, different... He was performing a different type of theater yeah. than Eddie Guerrero was. But very similar in the sense that it's a com- another completely different style in Brock Lesnar, who is ultra real, going against The Rock, who is the farthest thing from it. Whose one of his deadliest move is a standing elbow drop that <laughs> With, takes just, thirty that, seconds. That to just get has some extra running. Well, hey, that extra running. It might be that something about the Samoans. If he didn't stop. <laughs> Just before he threw it, it would make way more sense. That extra running is why Roman beat The Undertaker at WrestleMania. He did one more bounce well, off the ropes. He, 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 
Roman Reigns should be ashamed of himself. He made an old man dizzy and then hit him with a vicious maneuver that is just basically a hug and he made an old man try and get up off the ground after a 25 minute man suffering from vertigo and who may have had a concussion who may have had a, who may actually at this point be dead and who you could say that about him at any point in the last 30 years right shame on you roman roman is but let's talk about long beach shall we we're all over the place today yes let us talk about the g1 special uh or as it's officially known on wikipedia g1 special in usa yeah because g1 special just sounds like something i'd order at a chinese restaurant yeah actually give me the g1 special no soy sauce that's the in usa part yes um so it uh was i was surprised when i realized it was a four-hour show and then I, when I was watching it, I suddenly realized this is a live show they've just put TV around. P- pretty much. This um, is a house show, essentially. Yeah, but, I mean, bigger than just a house show. Although that's generally how Japan runs. True. Um, but this one definitely felt like they beefed it up. I think they no, did. No, it was special. They definitely beefed it up. Like, it felt like a, it felt like a big New Japan pay-per-view type right. event. It felt like a pay-per-view, but and that's it felt just like they were one. trying— that had like, like 17 tag matches. Right. I felt like they were trying to put way too many people onto it because it was going to be their showcase to the U.S., essentially. Well, it it, well, it does make sense, though, if you think about it, because in that instance, we're not looking at it like a WrestleMania. We're looking at a, a situation where they're trying to say, look at all the talent we have. Right. So what it's able to do, and look at the very – the opening match was – um. Trent Beretta, or Beretta, as it's on here, um, and Rocky Romero, Rapongi Vice, teaming up with the Briscoes, Jay and Mark Briscoe, and Will Ospreay. So against... Whoa. I noticed my microphone is gone. He's suddenly jumped to the back of the room, and he's trying to yell while making himself a sandwich. That's... That that's exactly what's going on. I have now, now fixed it. Now he has the sandwich. He's fixed himself a sandwich. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Um, that's that's because I'm holding the mic when I really shouldn't be. These are not designed to be held. Like I know, but I like it. Um, it's more comfortable. It is. Anyways, uh, so it's that the group of that five plus or uh, against the Bullet Club of Bad Luck Fale, Marty Skrull, the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. And uh, Takahashi. Mm-hmm. And a 10-minute tag match that felt like it was 25 minutes because it was really fast-paced. Yeah, it was one of those uh, Young Buck-style, all-over-the-place, crazy big-spots-type matches that, you know, is always entertaining to watch and really does get over, especially with the crowd. I w- the crowd was awesome. Yes, but I mean, the crowd was really, really good for this. There's show. a but. Oh, of course, there's. The crowd was awesome, but they definitely could have booked a bigger building. I think they, I think New Japan vastly underestimated the venue that they could fill because there was a few thousand people there. I'd say between two and three thousand, four thousand, maybe. They were in a. They were at a, the convention center in Long Beach, and they were in. Uh, and we've 
been in rooms that size before. Right. Large it was, room. It was it was a large room. Um, it was a really wide open space so they could fit the stage, the ramp, the ring, get everything they needed to do. But I think you're absolutely right. I don't know what sort of venues they have available to go bigger than that without going into like a 15,000 seat. But I think they could have easily sold out both at like eight to 10,000. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even if you're in a arena football or b- basketball stadium, if, even if you're in one that holds like 12,000 and you only put 8,000 in it, it's still going to look full on TV. So they could have easily done that. Um, they also didn't bring enough merch, apparently. Apparently, some of the merch table lines were an hour and a half to two hours long for the majority of the night, feels, both nights. It feels a little bit like the Extreme Rules show we went to when they had, <laughs> for a fifteen to 18,000 seat arena, they had one merch stand. They well, they did have the merch truck outside. Oh yeah, that's true. They did have the merch truck outside. But I could tell you, having gotten up and walked around at Royal Farms Arena, that thing had a line the entire night. Not a huge arena, but still maybe three or four merch stands. Would I be have good. been to Verizon Center where they have had like six. I've been to the. Wacomico Youth and Civic Center where they've had at least two. Now that's a poll right there. If you know where that is and you're not one of our friends. Um, um, but um, Well, you know what? That would have been a really good venue size for yeah, what New Japan needed. Something like that's that, something could, like five to 6,000. Yeah, they could have easily filled that up. And, and back to the merch, the reports are that they completely sold out of the merch. Um, because that was one of the main reasons people were going to get authentic New Japan stuff. and um, They could have just they gone c- to pro wrestling tees if they wanted to. They could have. But they, they could have brought and sold more merch. They could have sold more tickets. But now they know. And you know what? I don't really fault them for that. Even though people were telling them you can go bigger. It was their first try. It was their first try and wildly successful, if you ask me. And we don't have the numbers yet, but all indicators say that Access TV uh, did some of the best business that they've ever done. That I'm night. sure they have. If you've ever watched Access TV, they're not much for original content. They have, as far as their, well, I shouldn't say original content, all of their stuff, just about all of their stuff is original. But uh, they're not much for high volume content as far as viewership. Or live content. They do some live content, but, I mean, they're, like, Gotham Comedy Live, which is a a comedy stand-up show that's in a small comedy club in New York. You know, it's that sort of thing where there's maybe 30, 40 people in the room. Nothing like the level of what they just did. And uh, I take that back. They do MMA fights Mm. in in decent-sized buildings. Not big arenas like UFC, but... They do MMA fights. They have their own branded MMA promotion. Hmm. Um, and Access itself is actually a, was a ticketing service um, that they decided they wanted to go into it. They do a lot of music on their on their channel. Music mm-hmm. has, takes their channel over most of the time. This is the first time they've done had a chance to do a foray into professional wrestling live. They have had New Japan uh, Worldwide, which is a syndicated pre-recorded new japan show that they essentially send out across the world 
and they dub it into whatever the different languages are. And um, they have big events from the past, and meaning like within the last year. Mm-hmm. For example, uh, when they had they did Wrestle Kingdom ten last June or something. So it was like six months later, then they did the Wrestle Kingdom 10 special. And they've been really good about getting caught up with New Japan to where well, in New what's Japan, airing Friday probably happened in the last week or two. Or at least within the last couple of months. And it yeah. might have been a big event. So they'll they'll probably actually follow the G1 Climax throughout. Or right. maybe not live, but you'll probably get to watch it within a week or two right. of the matches actually happening. And New Japan's an interesting promotion because they don't do weekly television like WWE does. No. It's event-based. It's very much like an MMA promotion is today. Right, but I'm assuming that's the goal. I'm assuming they're going to try to do more shows. I Um, believe that is what their plan is starting in 2018 when they open the dojo in LA. mm -hmm. Their plan is to run, possibly start touring as soon as next spring. Yeah, that's the big thing. Once they open kind of a a second home base in L.A., then it's much more flexible for their roster because they don't have to be, you know, crossing the Pacific just to do one or two shows and then coming back. They could do some sort of you go, you tour six months in Japan and then you tour six months in the U.S., and that's much more you know comfortable as far as the talent the production and all that and if you're i think it'd be really interesting and unique if you're getting a weekly or bi-weekly or even a monthly show that's live and you're jumping back and forth between japan and the u.s you're really gonna check a lot of boxes you're really gonna get a lot of eyes on your product and kind of differentiate yourself just there it's not going to be like impact wrestling or gfw whatever it is now it's not going to be like wwe light it's going to be like oh this is an entirely different setup and i think that's going to be really cool i think they're going to have to try something i don't think they can do the wwe model of because they don't don't do that currently they they do that they essentially they go around they do a lot of promotion but they do they build up to specific events and to get even you know, close to get 50% of what the WWE TV deals are would be such a miracle for any other wrestling company. Um, It's near impossible. I don't want to say it's impossible because anything can happen, but as far as a TV-based business model, um, WWE is far and away the only game in town for wrestling. Well, that's because they can do the weekly shows, and WWE runs, if you just count, they run four days a week, every Mm -hmm. week. And then they do. With two tours, four days a week. So eight times a week, if you think about it. Right, and they do international tours Mm -hmm. three to four times a year. So the one thing I think that New Japan can do, I don't know if they would do six months and six months. I think that would take away too much from their home business. I think you could easily see where they would tour the U.S. Somewhat similar to what WWE does, but they'll tour the U.S. and North America probably three, four times a year at most. They could do that. Two to three times a year, I think, I think is what we'll, you're looking at. We'll definitely see an, an upswing in the number of events that New Japan does, which right. they do a fair amount each year right now, but I think that will go up at least 50%, could double. Well, and that's something, too, where... 
they're probably going to lean on ROH a little bit. And if mm. that's something where if they can strike, if they, if they do this and they are able to put themselves in a better leverage position and they do continue working with Ring of Honor, which I think has been highly successful for both promotions, mm-hmm. I think the way to probably do that is negotiate a better deal with Ring of Honor. Their New Japan would be making more money in North America. Do a lot of Ring of Honor New Japan branded shows. Because Ring of Honor is already, obviously, touring in the U.S. They are from here. So mm. it may not be a bad mm. idea to kind of work with them, especially on the East Coast, which is Ring of Honor's home. Um, and you could really kind of cross-promote and do New Japan kind of runs things on the West Coast, Ring of Honor runs things on the East Coast, and but you get talent across both. Which so is you could, you could go kind to a, of what they already have been doing. Right. Um, and then on top of that, you have ROH's parent company, Sinclair Broadcasting, that could probably also help with the TV distribution of New Japan. Um, but anyway, if you want to get back into night one of Long Beach, uh, we can do that. So we have Chaos versus the Bullet Club, which is a big 10-man tag. It's crazy. Um, it ends with actually Chaos going over and the probably line of the night or one of the lines of the night <laughs> after the match um was it it was matt jackson right yes i believe so it was matt looks into the camera well he's not really looking into the camera but the camera's by him he's out ringside he's just lost the match and he goes i gotta deal with hot topic i can't lose on tv <laughs> which is perfect because if you follow the bucks on twitter um they and or any of the bullet club members like uh, marty Skrull as well they uh, just struck a deal with Hot Topic to put Bullet Club shirts in every store nationwide. And from what I heard, it's very lucrative. Yeah, they've done pretty well for themselves for never having been under the umbrella of the the big, uh, the mothership, as it were, the big company. The machine. Yeah, they don't have the marketing sh- machine behind them. They work really hard, by the way. Yeah. Um, but uh, after that, you get a cup. You get, I wouldn't say this is a throwaway match, but you do get one of the biggest stables against one of the legendary Japanese wrestlers uh, with it was, in, it was certainly an interesting match that I think showed a lot of international flavor. Yes. This uh, Los Ingobernables de, uh, de Japón, de uh, which was uh, Hiromu Takahashi, Sonata, Bushi, and Evil, uh, which, by the way... Um, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Takahashi who came out with the stuffed, the stuffed uh, plush. Yeah, I... and was just kind of on the stage for like a solid minute, just swaying. <laughs> yeah, the, I, was I don't know if that confused. was a production issue, snafu type thing, or if that was just the entrance. Um, I, something might have been lost in translation there. Maybe um, Jim Ross kept referring to them as a DX NWO type stable. <laughs> Which I, I love was Jim funny. Ross. I do find that really amusing now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then they went against Dragon Lee, Teton, Volador Jr., and Jushin Thunder Liger. In, A very lucha yeah, this heavy is, team. Which is. Uh, Stars from Mexico City. Of course, Liger is a huge star in Japan, but well, and may El- be bigger in Mexico. Well, and, and LIJ, to shorten it up so I don't keep stumbling on it, uh, their whole bit is that they are they are essentially pulling a lot of uh, inspiration from Mexico. 
Yeah. So, I mean, it's Naito's group. Mm -hmm. And his whole thing is he went to Mexico and came back and brought a lot of that kind of lucha style with him. That's why their name is in Spanish. Correct. (laughs) He actually refuses to speak Japanese. Yep. uh, And refuses to treat intercontinental. Oh, I did it again. Another sandwich. Another sandwich. Anyway, the uh, the next match was... Super uh, sandwich. I got it. Okay, so... Um, but, of course, uh, did you ever see any of the pictures of the way Naito was treating the Intercontinental Championship? I did. He threw it down because he wanted to buy a soda at a convenience store and said, will this pass for currency? Yes, and... He destroyed the belt. He literally broke the faceplate on the belt. He would kick it. He would throw it on the ground and kind of kick it down the aisle as, like you would kick a rock if down the road while you were going on a walk. Which is kind of what he was doing with the heavyweight title when he had it. Remember when yeah. Naito was heavyweight champion? Yeah. That was actually cool. I actually really... I find Naito really interesting. And that was one of the things... I mean, he's in the... U, the, the basis of these two shows was they're going to crown the first ever... IWGP United States heavyweight champion and kind of one of the stories was is Naito gonna actually respect this belt that he's fighting for in this tournament um so that was interesting so um anyways let's let's continue on, running on that note that we get the the next match is the first match in the quarterfinals of the IWGP US heavyweight title tournament which uh sees Hangman Page go one-on-one with Jay Lethal, which is an interesting uh, mix-up. Hangman Page is a, a pretty big guy, um, but he hits an impressive shooting star shoulder tackle off the ring apron onto Jay Lethal, who's standing uh, at ringside. Uh, For a second, I thought you were going to get up and like kind of <laughs> act out how Jay Lethal was standing. And he did ringside. it like this. <laughs> um, um, story is Jay Lethal's ribs... Uh, are injured. Uh, and he had the tape to, from to show it. the Ring of Honor. Um, was it Best in the World? I believe or? it was Best in the World. Yeah, show that was just. Um, it's the show that's where, where Cody, Cody Rhodes or Cody, Cody uh, <laughs> beat Christopher Cody Daniels. Cody with Brandy Rhodes. Yes, beat Christopher Daniels to win the ROH Championship. Uh, Lethal goes over Page. Then we mm-hmm. get Zack Saber Jr. against Juice Robinson, and what ended up being a really good match. I wasn't sure about this match because he, I always think Juice Robinson's going to underperform, and then he goes out. Now, Saber really is improved. a great wrestler, but Robinson holds his own and does a really good job in this match, and they told a really good story. This actually yeah. was one of – I really did – I watched this match and until later on in the night thought this was this could have been match of the night. Was it was, it was a good match. Juice you know, Robinson. It, it's hard for Saber to have a bad match. Um, Juice was definitely the person to worry about. Um, Juice Robinson uh, left the WWE. He was he was in NXT for a good number of years and left, and pretty shortly after got signed by New Japan, and it was a huge question mark. Are people going to like and accept him? Is he going to be good enough to hang with our guys? And over the last year or two, he's really improved to such a point where a lot of these people were wanting him to win over Zack Sabre, who is kind of a favorite, considered a favorite in the independent scene. 
So the fact that Juice Robinson was getting cheers over Saber in this match is is, is something uh, to note. It's a big deal. Um, and then after that, another tag match as Jay White teamed up with David Finley, son of Fit Finley, mm-hmm. uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, just to throw that one in there, and Kushida in what might be one of the most star-studded uh, <laughs> tag team matches of the night, which is saying something, as they took on Hunter Club, which is Billy Gunn and Yoshitatsu, and the Tempura Boys, who I had never seen before um, in the times that I had watched New Japan, which I haven't seen a whole lot of anything recent outside of, like, Dominion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Tana- Tanahashi and Kushida get big ovations as uh, they their team picks up the win. And um, David Finley does not look like his dad. No. <laughs> Um, and he's also tall, mm-hmm. which Fit Finley, as good of a technical wrestler as he was, is not tall. Yeah, and the story here is um, the next night after this, Billy Gunn is going to be challenging for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. Correct. And um, so that's kind of the the story is Billy Gunn is over as like a major – He's got a lot of heat with this audience because I think they legitimately just don't even want him to be there. It's not like it doesn't a, feel right. It, it it it's not like a he's a bad character, so we're booing him. It's like we don't want this guy here. <laughs> it doesn't make sense for him to be here. Yeah, Billy Gunn being there feels really weird. It feels and, very t- and, TNA two thousand six and Tanahashi, who has been you know the guy or the number two guy to okada for the last couple of years well tanahashi's the ace he was yeah he was the guy he is the japanese john cena right and and he's a pretty big guy but then you have billy gunn who's just a freak of nature dwarfing and supplements dwarfing tanahashi and i don't think people took to that too well no (laughs) they want to they want to see tanahashi as a bigger hero uh both physically and in the realm of wrestling than Billy Gunn. So. Which works out, because that's the face-heel dynamic anyways. Yeah. By the way, Yoshitatsu back on our TV screens. That's true. Have you listened to his WWE theme recently? Mm-mm. You should. It's fantastic. It's it's hypnotic. Is it? It's horrifyingly catchy. Um, and the next match was for the IWGP Tag Team Champions. These are the, the heavyweight belts. Um, yeah, there's two sets of uh, tag team. Well, really three if you, if count you consider the, the never one the, the never, never open uh, weight ones now. which are triple right which are three they have man. a six man never six, open weight um uh, i don't and the never belts confuse me trio yeah um, so there's there's kind of two authorities and one is strictly new japan and then never is new japan and it goes to other promotions sometimes it's really confusing to follow but there's not a ton of other promotions anymore though like that's true so I mean, it there, happens there, less and less there are a few but it's like new japan all japan's gone yeah well you, all japan's still around well barely but they're certainly not at the point that they're, they were in they're the 70s. a shadow of themselves to say the least yeah uh which and i mean you, they do have a cool they have the triple crown champion which um I have to say this because you trained me, but Dory Funk Jr. got to introduce the new Triple Crown Championship uh, title belt a couple of years back while I was actually being trained by him. And basically that was like the mixture of the All Japan Heavyweight Championship and the World Heavy and all this stuff. And All Japan's history is a little more convoluted than New Japan's. Um, 
But anyway. <laughs> both, look up the history because they're both actually really fascinating. And it intertwines a lot. <laughs> yeah, all Japan and New Japan, they tie together in I so mean, many I mean, there's like legit history. history books on it. So Yeah, it, it, it almost, it's really funny because the two guys, if I remember this correctly, the, the wrestler, and I, I'm sorry I'm forgetting the names because they're really famous, but... The wrestler who started New Japan and the wrestler who started All Japan were both big stars at the same time and were, like, rivals yeah. in storylines. And then they ended up being rival promoters. Yeah, it'd be like if Stone Cold and The Rock opened their own promotions in the year 2000 or something like that. That would have been highly entertaining and very misguided. Yes. Uh, anyways, after, so we get the IWGP Tag Team Champions, and they lose uh, the champions' Gorillas of Destiny uh, yeah. Tama Tonga and Tongaroa lose to War Machine, who um, War Machine, a big couple of guys. Big yeah, class. they're big dudes. I th- what was interesting about this match is I feel like it was just kind of sprung upon us as they came out that it was going to actually be a no DQ match. I did not, I was not aware of that that's going what in. I heard, that's the vibe I got from yeah. it that it was no DQ and it was made that way, like that night yeah like a kind of out of nowhere um which allowed for a pretty cool finish and it was interesting to see the god drop the belts to war machine yeah um, girls of destiny are a big tag not yeah. just in size but like they're a very important tag team so yeah and war machine has gotten very much over mm-hmm. uh, this was definitely a big haas beat em up type there's not a whole lot of pretty. If in you've this never match. seen War Machine, they're like two big barbarian-looking guys, like Vikings almost. They're like they're basically like the children of the wrestler Warlord, but like good. <laughs> but good, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then the last three matches of the night really just kind of were like, well, the the well, last two hang you on, could debate which on. is better, but it's kind of like a crescendo going to the end of the night. Yes, because the next one was yeah, there were nine matches on the night, and all of them were on television. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a long night. Um, with intermission, intermission with a giant me, intermission for me that they to did say. not plan. They did not give Jim Ross pl- as somebody who's called sports live and had random times where you have to fill time that you weren't expecting. They did not warn Jim Ross ahead of time. And Jim Ross, being the legend that he is, made it work to perfection. Mm-hmm. But, whew, that was that intermission was a little rough. Uh, so uh, it's Ishii versus Naito in what could have easily been a final of most any tournament. We get that in the first round. Naito goes down. Putting yeah, that Ishii was um, over. This was a surprise, and match. they sold this as an underdog. Ishii beating Naito, which I think is very much the case. Yeah, it it was an interesting. Finished because certainly I thought Naito was going to advance, but I can see where it was. Seeing where they went with it, it was better for Ishii too. Um, so I really have no problem with it. But uh, it was still a really good match, and Ishii's Ishii's just like a badass. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you Ishii, know, the, go, he's like a if, guy you if, wouldn't want to fight at a if bar. If you want to see what the definition of Japanese strong style is, go look up Ishii versus Shibata. Yeah. Um, there are nothing but stiff shots in those matches, and they have some classics. There's a five-star match, actually, a Dave Meltzer five-star match between Ishii and Shibata. I think it was either 2000. It was somewhere between 2012 and 2014. Mm-hmm. Uh, go look it up, because it's really good. It's only about 15, 16 minutes. It's really good. And I feel kind of bad, because now knowing what's happened to Shibata, 
Yeah, but that's, that's it the is, thing. It's 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 hard. It's for a little me to bittersweet to watch it now because it's like yeah. it's such a good match and it's so compelling. But at the same time, you know they're actually hitting each other really hard. Yeah, and how many of those blows moved Shibata closer to his eventual career-ending and almost life-ending injury that he suffered earlier this year? It's hard to go back and watch some of those matches, just like it's hard to go back and watch some matches by people who the WWE will never mention by name because could they have had some sort of traumatic uh, effect on that person's brain you want to cheer the match you want to enjoy it but some of those things do take away some of the fun but anyway let's go into the semi main event which is the final match of the first round of the iwgp u.s tournament which a lot of people are saying is a match of the year candidate but there's been so many match of the years this year from new japan (laughs) and most of them have kenny omega in them who was subsequently in this match taking on Michael Elgin, unbreakable Michael Elgin, um, with Matt and Nick Jackson at ringside as in they are always are. The elite is always together. Too sweet. Uh, by the way, somebody I was wearing a Finn Balor shirt. Yeah. On uh, on Saturday, and somebody too sweeted me. Good. I so I was not expecting it. <laughs> did I you had, too sweet them back? Absolutely, I Good. did. I could. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything to say, so naturally I just returned the gesture. Uh, that was a, it was kind of a fun moment, but it was I was wearing it that day and I threw on the Balor Club shirt and didn't even think about it. Yeah, uh, but it worked you, out when really you well. when you own so many wrestling shirts, you don't you're like what? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's half my T-shirts are wrestling shirt. Yeah. I'm wearing a Bobby Roode shirt as we speak. That's true. I, but I, I always wear a wrestling shirt when we record. Gets you in the spirit. Absolutely. Kenny Omega goes over Michael Elgin, 22 and a half minutes. Fantastic match. My favorite match of the night. Fantastic. There's some, there's one German suplex on the ring apron that looks like it could have ended Kenny Omega's life. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was just a really, really good match. They also, um, they also had a, a little tease in this match, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, back at Dominion, when Omega and Okada went 60 minutes, uh, somewhere near the end, Cody came out, who's also a part of the Bullet Club, and at this point, still an ally with Kenny Omega. He came out with a towel um, and teased throwing in the towel to end the match. Um, Omega was in a bad way at this point yeah. in the Dominion match. Yeah, and I'm getting a little ahead of ourselves. Let's let's talk about the final match. I just wanted to bring that up as we get into well, the— Well, it will play into the next match. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Omega beats Elgin. He goes to the back. Then comes our main event, which was the singles match for the single. I'm just reading it off Wikipedia. <laughs> single, the singles, singles match, match for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. The following matchup is set for one fall. One fall. And is for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship of the World. Um, we have it, Cody with a really cool entrance. Cody did have a really cool entrance. He had four guys. I don't know who they were, but they were all wearing ex-presidents masks, kind of like. Um, it was. Uh, it was uh, very. What's much that movie? Point Break. Point Break. Yes, it was That's very much his, Point Break. What he was pulling for. Yeah. So now apparently all the Bullet Club members who are in main events are just going to come out to movie things. So we had Point Break at at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. We had Terminator. We had Terminator, and it still comes. By the way, 
the Nick and Matt Jackson are still on the side of the ring doing like the the that. Which is the Terminator beat. Yes, it's the Terminator theme from I believe the second movie. Which is the best Terminator. It is the best Terminator. Judgment Day. Um T two Judgment. Anyways. Uh I did not like this match as much as I was hoping I would. It was not my favorite. It's, especially right after watching Omega. It's Okada. not the best Okada match of the year. It's not the best Okada match of the month. But that's because Okada has had some of the best matches of all time this year and this month. Um, I think it was certainly one of the best matches Cody's had since leaving WWE. And I feel like he really got over as a heel in this match. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. Incredibly got over as a heel. He was getting and, booed, which I didn't think would happen on American sp- Soil. I mean, spits on Red Shoes. Like, Red Shoes is the main ref of uh, New Japan. He has an actual name, but he's just called Red he's Shoes. He's just called Red Shoes. Especially by Jim Ross. Because he wears shiny Red Shoes. Um, and also, uh, by the way, Red Shoes had an awesome moment when uh, Kenny Omega and Nick and Matt Jackson before their heat. Because Red Shoes refereed both the last two matches. Mm-hmm. He came out, and Omega is in the corner, two-sweeting Nick and Matt Jackson, and they all turn, and Red Shoes is standing there, and they're like, too sweet, too sweet, and he crotch-chops him and then walks away. <laughs> Huge pop. Huge pop. Um, it was so good, though. It was it was great. I love Red Shoes. <laughs> He's great. He really is. Um, but the last five minutes of this main event, we're, we're up there with some of the ma- best matches of the year. Um, especially you, so you have this is where it ties back. You have Kenny Omega come out now with the towel, teasing like he's gonna throw in the towel. Um, so you have Brandy, this, and Brandy Rhodes by this point was in the first row, and she has now jumped the rail in his ringside. Right, and that's um, was her name just what was her name in WWE? Uh, was it just Brandy? It was um, it was Eve, Eve something. Eve. I can just look up her Wikipedia page. It might have just been Eve. It may have been, but she was a, she was in WWE and uh, now the real world life wife of uh, Cody Eden Eden Styles. Eden. Yeah. Okay. Um, but anyway, so um, you have this growing mounting tension between o- Omega and Cody that they've kind of teased for a while they're they're kind of like opening the pressure hatch and letting some steam out and then they'll they'll close it back up real quick so like by the next night everyone was hunky-dory but there's still that like kind of line of of tension there um and of course you know cody takes the towel and wipes his backside with it and throws it back and okada does similar and um it was really interesting because people really, really didn't want Cody Rhodes to win. I kind of wanted him to win. But there were some that were like, what would happen? Like, I wanted what him would to be, win because that would be Would it great. be front page news tomorrow? Maybe. Well, Certainly I can in the tell wrestling you world. blow up the internet wrestling community. Um, do we think this is a teasing towards – you had said this was a possibility not too long ago. Uh, may have even been last week. Cody versus Omega at Wrestle Kingdom 12. 
I don't know if it'll be Wrestle Kingdom 12, but they certainly don't have... This is the time of year where New Japan doesn't have that many huge shows left. I mean, they have the G1, and then it's kind of kind of tapers off until They've January. They've already done Super Juniors. Yeah, so maybe. I mean, we'll have to see what happens between Omega Okada 3 at the G1 Climax Tournament coming up very soon. It could very well be that Omega's got the win and Cody interferes. Maybe. Um, which would not surprise me. Well, I guess we will um, we'll have to look into and see, but I think that is all. Do we want to just take a couple of minutes and just talk about the who won the whole tournament? No, let's do that next week because the, the episode technically doesn't air until Friday. Yep. And if anyone is slightly interested in watching the finals of the U.S. tournament for New Japan, I want them to do it before we tell them what happens or before they look it up. Well, because we obviously haven't seen it, but we know who right. who we, ended up it's winning. It's unavoidable for us to not know. <laughs> yes. So then in that case, we will leave it. We'll talk about it next week because we're out of time anyways. All right. Uh, we, let's just talk about happened on Raw. Let's just talk about the one important thing that happened on Raw, and that was the Samoa Joe-Brock Lesnar interview, which they continue for the third or fourth week in a row to get this feud absolutely right. And I can only say that it's probably Paul Heyman's doing. Maybe. Maybe. I think they've done everything right with that. And it's that... Oh, that's right. Great Balls of Fire is this weekend. Great Balls of Fire is this Sunday night on <sighs> WWE Network live from Dallas. Final, we're at the final exit before Great Balls of Fire. Yep, before Man. our balls get greatly put on fire. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible way for the match to go. Well, they shouldn't name the pay-per-view that, should they? No. No, they shouldn't. Uh, do you want to do rapid fire predictions since we're gonna be looking at it anyways? Yeah, we'll. I don't. We'll be reasons. reviewing. I don't want big show. reasons. I just. Okay. I just want winner. I just want a winner, and if it has to be a reason, just very quickly. But let's say like this card is actually pretty stacked for kind of the last Raw pay per view before SummerSlam, so it's it should be a good show, and it has one of the most anticipated main events of the last 20 15 20 years um but go ahead and uh name the matches and we'll do some quick predictions that will be reviewing what happened next thursday pre-show match the uh champion of the cruiserweights the king of the cruiserweights neville defends his title against akira tozawa who has recently aligned himself and become part of titus worldwide there's some beeping going on Oh no, somebody else has gone to make a sandwich. Oh no, I don't even make sandwiches. You just went to make a sandwich. That's a euphemism. I don't think it's a euphemism. I th- Me. I think you uh, just went to make a sandwich. Yes. Wonderful. Um, um so Neville versus Tozawa with Titus O'Neil in Tozawa's corner. Uh Neville. Okay, I agree. Um Cesaro and Sheamus take on Matt and Jeff, the Hardys in a 30-minute Iron Man match for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Does this match make any sense? Not really. Could go who, either way. Who wins? I don't I I don't know. I feel like they're in a holding pattern until they get the rights to the broken gimmick, so I'm going to have to say Cesaro and Jameis. Agree. The uh, the bar goes over. Um, we are the bar. We are the bar. Huh, I thought to make a t-shirt. Uh The Miz defends his Intercontinental Championship against 
Uh, Dean Ambrose, The Miz, of course, joined by The Miz Taraj. I feel like this is the seventh million time we've seen this match for this title. Um, <laughs> Miz. Agreed. Uh, Enzo Amore versus Big Cass. Big Cass. The answer is we're going to the bathroom. Seth Rollins versus Bray Wyatt. I don't even know what this feud's about. I don't know half the stuff Bray Wyatt's talking about. Seth Rollins is atheist and doesn't believe anybody that, that gods only exist in people's minds. That's true. And Bray Wyatt is a god in his own mind. That first part was a little bit alleged. Right. They're, they're not <laughs> outright not, saying it. They're not outright saying it, but Definitely Seth Rollins kind of said it in which a promo. I, which I kind of like, so I'll go with Seth. Uh, agree. Bray Wyatt doesn't win anything. <laughs> Alexa Bliss defends her women's championship against Sasha Banks. Uh, Alexa. Agreed. Roman Reigns takes on Braun Strowman in an ambulance match. Hmm. If they're going with Roman versus Brock at SummerSlam, you gotta you gotta say Roman. Agreed, because he's gotta go over Braun eventually. As much as we all hate it, Brock Lesnar defends the WWE Universal Championship against the Destroyer Samoa Joe. As much as I would love for this to go the other way, I'm gonna have to go with Brock. Lesnar. Agreed. For the same reason as the last match, because yep. we've got to get there. We've got to get there. At and they least, can't both at lose. least they're not going to drag it out until WrestleMania. Hopefully, from what I've heard, they're going to do it at SummerSlam. And we're going to get Cena versus Reigns at WrestleMania because Cena dropped the big hint on that one too. Oh yeah, Although all the Cena, people he's beat. Cena's one. Cena is one to play with rumors. That's true. On Mike. He has D- done that in the last like, couple years. Didn't he post to Instagram a picture of Kenny Omega like last year? I don't think Cena – well, maybe Cena did. I don't think so. That doesn't seem quite what Cena would do. Although Cena did drop that little bit of a nugget on The Miz before WrestleMania last year saying, if I got what I wanted, I would be going against The Undertaker, not you. Yeah, that's true. So, all right. That'll do it for this week. Uh, how can the people find you on the social media? Um, at Lee Brando underscore, if that doesn't work, I'm sorry. You got to learn how to use a computer. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, Instagram and Snapchat. Snapchat. And, and uh, just... Friendster. No, I'm kidding. Okay. All right. Um, anyways, and of course you can search him and become his friend on Facebook. Please do. Just search Lee Brando. He's the one that looks like a wrestler. I just need 5,000 friends then I will be happy. <laughs> will that get you a pro wrestling tea store? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> what are you at now? Just roughly? Under a thousand. Is that putting it modestly? I, I think I'm somewhere in like 700, 600, 800. Including Anthony Bennett of Cruiserweight Classic fame. There you go. And Killian McMurphy. And James Ellsworth, the now suspended James Ellsworth. Uh, you, you, you know that you, when you say James Ellsworth, you mean Warhog, right? <laughs> is, is that what they call him? I think so. According to Daniel Bryan. I, I may have said that wrong, but I don't know. Warhog. <laughs> that might be better than whatever he said. <laughs> James Ellsworth. they said War- Big Hog. Oh, it was Big Hog. I like no, Warhog. Warhog is Warhog better. is his final form. Yes. Warmonger James Ellsworth. <laughs> and he comes out to... to, to Goldberg's music. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, you can find the show on social media, Facebook. Just search Over the Barricade Podcast. Uh, Twitter, 
at Barricade Show. I think you can search at Barricade Show on Facebook, too, and you'll find us anyways. Uh, send us an email over the Barricade Podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, in case you're not listening there, soundcloud.com slash Barricade Show. Mm-hmm. Search over the Barricade Podcast and download and subscribe from iTunes and Google Play. I was checking the downloads just this week. We need to get those numbers up. Tell your friends. I see a lot of you have... Li- I see tell a friend, have tell li- two friends, tell three friends, and they have to tell two friends, and then they find three friends. And then before you know it, we have... Haley six- Joel Osment? <laughs> we have 16 views. That was listens. a really obscure reference I just dropped. What am I doing? I don't know. All right. Um, he was at ringside at Re- WrestleMania, what, 11? I cannot even remember. 11? 11, Haley Joel Osment was big in like the late 90s. Might have been 13. I don't know. He, he was I, he was ringside at a WrestleMania. To, it would have had to have been much. It would have had to have been like 13 If you know what WrestleMania Haley, Haley Joel Osment was, was at ringside for, send us an email and also tell people to listen. You should tell people to listen. We like the views. If you know, we're if, an audio if you're a personal friend of Haley Joel's, tell him to listen. Is he dead? No, he's okay. very much not dead. Well, tell he, him to I listen. Think he, wasn't he? Re- he was recently in a Kevin Smith movie or something. Maybe. I don't know. We're just throwing <laughs> stuff out there at this point. All right. If bye, you everybody. know what. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Bye. Oh, Is that out? Is that it? That's it. Okay. Bye now.